We live. What up, podcast listeners? We are now live. I'm sitting with Philip, a fan. Um, funny thing about him, man, you actually sold me my car. So yeah, <laughs> there's a yeah. reason why uh, he's on the podcast. Man, smart. He got some great sales skills, and he's ready to share with you guys. Um, but before I hit live, he was telling me that he was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. And uh, okay, let him know, bro. What is this conspiracy, bro? I- I was just watching it. Uh, he had this guy named Tim Kennedy. He used to be a UFC fighter. He does like probably like uh, he's on the History Channel. He does like uh, like documentaries, and he he. There's a show called uh, Hunting Hitler, and basically it goes all it recreates history. Like everything you know about history is gone, right? So that's the crazy part too. So like I'm 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 looking at the history books. You know, we all think of one thing of what happened, but then none of that's true. Because right now in Argentina, there's at least three to 400,000 people that are descendants of Nazis. So meaning people in like just in South America, like that's a big, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Like here in Salem, we got like what, 160,000 people. Imagine that times like times two. So everyone in the city is was part of a Nazi family at one point. Okay. And they just migrated over. Yeah, so like after World War II, you know, obviously we won and everyone just kind of left. But we know that all these people went to South America because there's a huge population of German people, even the people there, like the like third generation kids, like our age. Like their grandparents, like came here on a U two boat, you know, yeah. and like they have medals, like they have SS medals, right? Is what the officers were called for the mm-hmm. Nazis. They have like all those things. They're proud of it too. Like their way of thinking of history is like way different than what we think of it. You know, we thought Hitler died over there, yeah. but now this whole documentary is like telling us that. No one, none of those high, because we never caught those high-ranking officers, right? So in 2014, the FBI finally released, you know, how the, you know, our government every so often, so many years, they release documents about these things. So they sent out, like after World War II, they sent out tons of FBI agents, tons of CIA agents, CIA agents all over the world just to, you know, track down where all these people went. Right. And they all went to South America, right? Some other parts of the world too. But a majority of them went there. And it's like just a bunch of proven fact. Like if you were to go to Argentina right now or certain parts of Chile, everybody looks German, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like, you know, so I'm like watching this. I'm like getting goosebumps. I'm like, oh shit, I want to go to Argentina Cause there's literally towns like if you like if we were to look right now like Argentina is like a German straight up German town like German country like there's more people like you don't look at them and you look like oh they're a bunch of Hispanics like no they're straight up like like look at this like all this stuff like every building everything in Argentina is European base. Yeah. You know, like everything, like the things they celebrate, everything they do, it's German based. Like this is something like you think you're in Bavaria, but you're not. So you're saying that 
We never found Hitler's body. No. That's proven. Okay. I mean, there was that one picture from, like, right when the world, uh, when the war ended. Mm-hmm. There was that, but then they later found out that it, it, it wasn't him. Didn't match him. Didn't look like him. Wasn't him. Right? Yeah. That was also a popular mustache that he had, yeah. too. You know, all the dude had to do was shave it off and, like, peace. <laughs> yeah, crazy thing too. I feel like I don't know. I mean, we could go on some conspiracy stuff right now, but I feel like same with like same with like Osama. You know what I mean? Like people are saying like, oh, like did we really kill him? Like his video was never released, or I think there was a movie released, right? Mm-hmm. But they're saying like, oh, like his body was never released, like a picture of it, or you know what I mean? And it's like I don't know, man. I feel like sometimes the government like. We really don't know what the government is doing in any country. But, dang, conspiracy intro. Fucking love it. Damn, bro. You got to watch it, bro. <laughs> Hunting oh, Hitler, man. History yeah. Channel. I'm going to check it out, man. I've been, there's like a you YouTube uh, channel of this guy. It's called like Top Fives. Mm-hmm. He has like the most like mysterious like videos, like Top Five Mysterious Videos. And it's just, it's wild, bro. Like, he has a team, a YouTube team that finds this stuff and puts it, like, on videos. And, like, you can be, like, just crazy stuff. Like, there's some that's, like, a Google Earth. Like, weirdest things found on Google Earth, right? Or the scary, Dude, I've seen those, man. Right? There's some crazy shit that's out what there. I'm saying, bro. And, like, it's I'm, crazy. It's wild, I'm a big conspiracy <laughs> theorist myself. But, man, like, a lot of this, a lot of this is just, like, it's there. It's yeah. right in front of you. It's, like, go there. Like go to Argentina, go to like uh, you know this 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 city in Chile, and like there's certain parts like in in the show, there were certain parts where like it tells you where. So if you if you were like an actual Hispanic descent, right? Yeah. You cannot marry someone or be or date someone yeah. that had like blue eyes or that was white. Mm. You know, and that's that's. Like that's a huge problem. Yeah. There was also the episode on Top Gear when Jeremy Clarkson. Um, it was like one of their final episodes before they went to uh, the new um, series on Amazon. But they didn't want the British there. Like yeah. they have the fascist racism against the British mm-hmm. and Americans. Same way. Yeah. You know, like they still don't like those type of people. And you would think it's like, dude, they're just yeah. some dudes trying to film a show, and they can't even film that show because they're from the UK, and the and people down there just don't like them. So, so it's I'm just racism like, still exists to this day. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, there's a lot of conspiracies out there, man. Crazy conspiracies. But let's talk about how you push boundaries. But how did you? So how did you get into? Uh, working for sales. Like, what was your experience? Man, I've been... So I, I, I didn't get into sales until probably I was, like, right out of high school. I was in college. You know, just like any college student, you know, I was looking for a job, and, you know, I did retails. I worked at, like, outlet malls. You know, just that. And then, like, maybe two years now, I was probably, like, 20 years old. Had a kid. And I was like, oh, dude, minimum wage ain't cutting it. <laughs> so I, uh, I I had friends that I hung out with, and they worked at you know Toyota stores. And they were like, hey, man, try out the, the car business. 
and see if you like it. And I did. I uh, I went and started, you know, got my interviews and stuff. Um, got into at BMW. Um, didn't wasn't feeling it, and then I was like, all right, well, probably like a couple weeks in, I was like, fuck this, I'm just gonna go to Honda, mm-hmm. right across the street, and I started off working. That's when I realized that from my knowledge of what retail sales was, you know, from like the typical sales to like what car sales was, was way off. I thought because I knew, and I love cars, you know, and I was like, oh shit, maybe if I just news, everything about cars, I'll sell cars. But that wasn't the case. So like maybe two months into it, and I was like, I hated it. (laughs) I absolutely hated it. So of course, you know, there's people that I work with that help me and understand the business a little bit more. You know, where and a lot of it's true. Like half the dudes I work with, none of them don't know shit about cars, but they're really good people, people person. You know, they know how to talk to customers. They ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. You know, what I found is huge, like especially working where I work too, and like with my like retail knowledge, is that if you remember the person's name, man, that can go a long way. Yeah, legit, man. Like you build that connection with them, you know, like, and that was the thing with me too. Like my name, you know, Pushpender, you know, when you, when I tell people, Hey, my name is Pushpender. Yeah. And that's how I remember your name. I was like, I I probably, what, we, I sold you the car maybe four or five months. Mm -hmm. I didn't see you since. And then that one day you came back, I was like, Oh shit, push. If anything, I was wondering if you remember who I was and, uh, yeah. No, it, it helps a lot. Like, like there's times like today, like three, I had like three customers that had questions about cars. I sold them the cars from like months ago, yeah. and they still reach out to me, which is good because that's what I want. Yeah. You know, I like to build that uh, repeat referral build business, that relationship. You know, build that friendship. You know, because yeah. I feel like I feel like car salesmen have that kind of that stereotype or that reputation of being like, yeah, and it sucks. Things. And that's the one thing, you know, I, when I, when I first started, I didn't realize that people hated us that bad. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, holy shit. Like no one trusts us. No one wants to hear anything we say, you know, cause everyone's saying the same exact thing, you know, don't do this or, you know, they're going to do this to you. Like, don't go over there. But I, I came to find out, you know, I just, I just sell my product. You know, I do it the best I could with the people I work with. You know, build that friendship and go from there. And that and that's what helped me because at first I was just selling the car. I'm just trying to sell everything. But, you know, a lot of cars nowadays, they're all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, they're really similar. Everybody has the same technology. It's, it's going to it just ends up what you like. Like you like your car because, you know, Honda finally did something different and it caught your attention. Right. Of course, there are all people out there who shop and, you know, look at 10 different cars. You know, don't do that, by the way. You know, you're just wasting your time. <laughs> don't look at the car that you already know you don't like, <laughs> you know. Like, I'm not going to go look at six other cars, even though I, I don't even like five of them. I know. You know, like, it does give you that peace of mind to go out there and look, but, you know, it's just not it's not worth it. Like, for me, I'm never going to go look at a, a Kia. Yeah. As much as, you know, all the great reviews or whatever that's out there for it, but I personally would never do that. So, yeah. for me... Purchasing a car should be a really simple, easy process, and it's not, you know, you can't just 
you know, drive 10 different things. Cause the one thing is, even for me, once you drive that one, that first car, you're going to remember that car. But once you drive 10, you're never going to remember that car again. You, you don't, right? You're going to remember the current car you just drove in, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're not around the business or you're, because nobody goes and buy cars every day. Like I sell yeah. cars every day. Would you say you that know? people go into dealerships kind of like knowing that they want to buy a car? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. I, I would say like 96%. Of all customers, don't just go into car lots. Of course, yeah. you have that that 4% of people that are probably just screwing around or looking at stuff. But most people already have the idea that they're going to be mm-hmm. right, going to be looking at cars. So that's why we always are out there. We're always there to help, you know, like build that friendship, build that rapport with that customer, get to know them and see where they're at in their mm-hmm. buying process. You know, that's something that a lot of people don't do. And that's what I recently started doing. And it's had increased my sales like way more. You know, I, I went for. Like, yeah, I feel like that's like kind of like sales, pretty much like sales 101, you know, like mm-hmm. I feel like most people that are new into sales try to, you know, push it like, okay, like I got to I got to make them buy. I got to make them buy. But like you kind of as long as you're having fun doing your job, it's just meeting new people. Right. Meet new people. Oh, yeah. Figure out, you know, what fits their needs what their, you know, their budget is, mm-hmm. just getting to know them. And if, hey, if they And, walk, and people come walk, in, you know, yeah. and that's the thing. A lot of people, they have their, what we call a kitchen table budget. So you talk at home, right, with your spouse or whatever. I do the same thing. You know, I, I'm in the business and I do the exact same thing. You know, it, it's for everyone. You know, even if I, like I was recently, look, I went and got a brand new Toyota Tacoma, right? I still do the same thing, right, where I, I have a payment that's in my head, Right. And I'm thinking, okay, because I'm in business, I know the math. I know how to do everything works. I know what my lease is. I know what my financing rate is. I'm calculating. That's what it's going to be. But you don't know what it's going to be. Right. Because if you don't do that initial research of knowing what the price of the car is or knowing, you know, you can go in there. Right. Thinking, oh, this is a, you know, a thirty four thousand dollar car. But this brand over here is also a thirty four thousand car. But for some reason, the two leases are completely different. No, you're paying two different things. So, you know, like it's good to understand where you want to be in budget wise, but there's always a realistic number. I want to get into that too about leasing and owning a car. What is your opinion of that? Like, what is <sighs> now that's a tough one because right? I because I do both. Okay, right. So, so explain kind of the, the differences. I mean, so I'm gonna try cars. to break this down as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. But, of course, leasing, you still got to lease for the purpose of leasing, right? So if you're the type of person, like I I found out that I am that person and I lease my cars. So, for one, you're you're not paying the full amount for the car. So if you're looking at like a a Yukon Denali or something where it's a $70,000, $60,000, $70,000 car, you're not really paying that much. Especially if you're not planning on keeping that car for more than six years, right? which is the normal amount that most people finance is 72 months, 60 months, 72 months, five years, six years loans. And most people get bored by then, right? The majority of people I would say that's trading in cars, I would ask them the question, how long have you kept this car? Oh, it's only been my first year. It's only been the second year or third year. And usually it's like, why, you know, why are you getting out of it? Well, I don't like it. You know, I'm having kids, I need a bigger car. Oh, that's 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 a reason why you should lease because you're not instead of investing seventy grand into a vehicle, you know, 
and that car is going to be worth literally 40 in two years. No, you lost 30 grand in two years. Yeah. You know, and you get get all that negative equity because a lot of times, a lot of people don't even pay that 30 grand in that two years time. They pay maybe like 15, maybe Mm -hmm. 20 for a car like that. So what happens to that? You have all that inequity, all that negative equity, which you're going to carry onto your next loan, which makes your, let's say your next loan is a $50,000 loan, but you carried over five grand of equity, regardless of how you negotiate it, right? That car is going to depreciate too. You're putting a lot of money into something that's going to depreciate. Mm -hmm. So what leasing is, you're paying your depreciation in three years. Oh, I see. Okay. And then you just trade it in. So like my car, you know, it's a $31,000 Honda Accord. I bought it for like 27, right? So I, so I closed that gap, right? But each brand holds different values, right? Honda tends to hold their value a little bit better. Subaru is the same way. Um, certain cars just do. And um, for me is okay, I'm paying. And, and there's and on a lease, there's a set residual too. So, you know, when you, when you lease the car, you, you, you're paying the same amount, right? In that three years time, because there's a set residual at the end. If that's 15 grand, that's 15 grand. You're paying the difference between there from the time you purchased the car up until that point. So if your car for my car, I know my car is worth more than 15 grand at the end of my lease. Cause I just look at three year old Hondas right now and I see what they retail for. If they retail for five grand more, I know I'm going to get a lease two grand less on that trade-in value, right? From what the retail is. So I know that if it's going to retail for, you know, 20, I'm still going to be able to get 17 out of it, even though I owe 15. So I have equity. So I can trade in my car at the end of my lease and get that two grand of equity. But not all cars have the same thing as my Honda does, right? For my uh, for my wife's Lexus, right? Car depreciates. So... You know, you're you you've invested forty grand to a car, but at the end of that lease, right? Let's say it's uh, you know, it's a forty thousand dollar car. You're paying twenty grand over the the three years, so it depreciates half of it. But let's say it depreciates more than that. Let's say you, by the time you took that car in, right? It, they trade your you you know you owe twenty or twenty you know, but the car's worth seventeen in three years. So now what? Right, of course you're still going to be under that mileage, but all you have to do is give you that three hundred and fifty dollars to give the car back, mm-hmm. and then uh, you don't have to worry about that. Okay. So you would advise people to pretty much depends on the vehicle. Right? Yeah. So if so, you yeah, depending on the vehicle, you should lease luxury cars. Lease the cars. Right. They're super expensive to maintain. Oh yeah. Like if you're looking at <laughs> That's B- kind of like, right there. but here's the thing: like if you're looking at a BMW, lease it. You know, yeah. all maintenance are taken care of for all three years. If you're not going to be driving a whole lot, at least the car, you're paying way less. Instead of having a $700 car payment, why not have a $500 car payment? Mm-hmm. You're only going to keep the car for two, three years anyways. See, I feel like that's the thing too. A lot of young people, I feel like. And a lot of people lease now. Right. Because like, a lot of, if you look at like, a lot of people just want to pretty much have, like they don't know anything about the car, but they just know it's, oh, it's a BMW, it's a Mercedes. I got to yeah. have it. You know what I mean? And then low key, they're really in debt. They can't afford it. They're struggling to yeah. afford this car. They don't stay even in your lane. About. Just exactly. like Kevin Hart yeah, says, man, in stay lane. in your lane. If you, if you know you can afford it right after everything, like I know I can afford two auto loans. I can do more than that. Right. Yeah. Like I'm comfortable with my 
how much I have to pay. But I mean, if someone, but I'm also comfortable paying, like if my car's at my, I'm paying what, 300 bucks a month for mine. So I know I can afford 600, but yeah. you know, you have to, you have to know that. Don't be that person that, you know, make that payment. Some, some life changes, you know, and I work a commission based yeah. job. So for me, it's like, I have to base all my bills on the worst month I have. Yeah. So if my worst month is making three grand a month, but my previous month is making six and seven, well, all my bills have to be paid within that three grand range, mm-hmm. you know, just make it fit. Yeah. So speaking of like commission based, what is kind of, what's kind of different than like the real estate market? Like as far as, you know, you're, you're selling cars, realtors are selling houses, buildings. What would you say is kind of like the main kind of difference? I don't know too much about the real estate world. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad was in it for a long time. Uh, from what I've seen and heard from like the real estate agents I sell cars to, um, they get paid differently. They get paid like if you close a house deal, it takes a long time to close the deal, right? So you don't get paid until the month after, right? So if you close that deal that month, you're not going to get paid that money. You're going to get paid the next month. As in car dealerships, um, mo- most places have a, 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 a two-pay plan where you get a guarantee amount and your commission amount at the end of all that. Um, some places do a salary base, which is not true. So if a salesperson comes up to you and they say they make salary at a car dealership, bullshit, not true. <laughs> I don't give a shit. If you work at one and you think that, it's absolutely not true because they're they're based on a usually a three-month plan, so uh, an average. So if you make a certain amount of average, that's what your monthly income is going to base off of. So, yeah, you could consider it as a salary, mm-hmm. but – if, if car dealerships were to work on salary basis, no one would have the, the drive to go right, out there yeah. and sell cars. So if a customer leaves, I wouldn't give a shit. Exactly. Right? Leave. Yeah. If you don't like the price, leave. I'm still going to get paid the same way yeah. if that's what it is. But that's not true. I want to sell more cars. That's how I make more money. Yeah, that's right. what I like about commission-based jobs, man. Because like, you're actually pretty much learning every day about your sales techniques and like people. Like you said, it's more driven. Yeah, I, I made I made like I mean it's not a lot, but man, like how many twenty like when I started I was like what twenty, twenty one years old? Like how many twenty, twenty one year old people you know out there that can make fifty, sixty grand their first year, you know, barely understanding the business, making that money. That's a lot of money. You know, and that's what some teachers make that. Yeah. You know, if not less. You know, that's what a lot of four year degree pays. You know, a lot of commission-based jobs, even if you, you know, have degrees, which a lot of us that we work with, you know, including myself, a lot of other people, we all went to college. A lot of us have degrees, but we all fell into this business of sales. And, you know. Like when I say everything is sales, I remember saying this on the first episode, everything is sales. Yeah, you're a doctor, you're working for pharmaceutical companies at the end of the day. Yeah, a lot of doctors, (laughs) same way, you know, you know. They charge you the more shit, you know, if, if like the doctor, same way, if a doctor charges you to do an MRI or a CAT scan or whatever it is, x-rays, those are more money that they're pulling from the insurance company, right? Or for your pocket, if you don't have insurance for them to make more money because they're using their equipment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that side of it too. Of course, you know, if you're a doctor out there, not everyone does that, but you know, cause you're there to help people, but there are people out there that do it specifically for money and that's, that's how it works. Yeah. Everything revolves around that. 
So simply put, sales. You're either buying something or you're selling it. Yeah, like right? yes. Like now, I can't get into a regular job, man. <laughs> it's hard. Like I can't think of any job out there where I have to be really smart or really good at something and make that type of money. You know? Like you know, if you're 24, you can make a hundred grand. I mean, that's a lot. Do you think people get too comfortable with the salary? Like, they're um, like yeah, you know, I got. And, and there's that side of it too, because uh, I just had this conversation at my friend's house, like right before this, where you know, it's a slow month. You start out slow. You know, you're not making that much money. Our income is up and down all the time, and we got shit to pay. So, you know, then, then what, you know, that's, that's the downside of it. I mean, like there's times where I'm sitting there, I'm just like, man, you know, I could go back to school, get my master's, become the car, you know, go back and become a chiropractor, you know, do, do this and that. But then the next day, you know, I sell a car to one and then I see how much they make and I'm just like, oh shit, I make just as much, if not more. Yeah. And they're probably in more debt. Yeah, and then you and then you got all that debt too, you know. And I mean, we get told that all the time, but you no, know, do what makes you happy. Like right now, I can't think of any thing. Amen to that, man. Where, like, I work at a job where I screw around more than I actually work. Mm-hmm. I literally sit around, I kick my feet up, I send my emails, I do my thing, sell a car, I'm done. Half the day, I'm out doing lunch. Like, everybody that has a job probably has, like, lunch breaks, right? My lunch break is when, whenever. You know, I can leave. If I if I don't work, I don't get paid. Less, man, less money the managers have to pay me. You know, if I don't sell cars, that's up to me. You know, but I get to pick and choose what I want to do, and that's the nice thing about sales. Real estate, same way. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the harder you work, the more money you're going to make. Bigger the outcome, right? Mm-hmm. So what... What advice would you give to a person? Say I'm buying a new car, right? I have no idea what like what the numbers is, how you deal. What is the best advice you can give to someone? Not as a not as a a dealer, not as like a salesperson. Just a like genuine, you know, friend. If you, you... I I'm person I would I would definitely do my research. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of research out there about how to buy cars and things like that. Um, most dealerships work through what we call a cuddle program, which is credit union direct lending. You know, but a lot of it is you really have to know it yourself. I mean, I can see myself getting screwed if I wasn't part of in the car business mm-hmm. and just going into buying a car, right? Because you don't know what a good interest rate is. You only know what's out there, but you know you, you have to do your research. I mean, that's the best advice I can give someone. Right, because as a, as a salesperson, you're trying to get pretty much the company and, and buy you locally. Can. You know, don't be that guy that searches you know 15 different stores just to get a couple hundred bucks off. You know, every dealership buys their cars for the same amount of money in the state. No one's buying it for less. No one's buying it for more. Every dealership has the same amount of incentives money as the other one, right? Either they have your car or they don't, yeah. right? And if they do, just go to your local dealership and buy it. There's no, there's no need to be like, oh, well, this place up here is doing this, and you know, well, we can do the same thing. Yeah. Just talk to us. Yeah. Now, if you just talk to your salesperson, even for me, like when I bought the the Tacoma, it was 
you know, I went to a completely different store. I already knew, or I, I walked in, I knew exactly what I want and I, and they gave me the, a good deal. You know, I know what was it, it was, what was selling it out there. I got a good deal, you know, and, and it's easy. You know, people are always talking about, oh, I hate spending three hours at, you know, car dealerships. It's like, well, a lot of the customers I work with literally spends no more than an hour and a half from beginning to end from the test drive all the way till the, by the time they have to fill out their DMV paperwork, you know, it doesn't need to take that long. I have found a way to simplify everything to help people have an easier car buying experience. Right. You know? Yeah. That's, I feel like that's like the most important thing, like to simplify the process. You know, the like, process has always been simple. Yeah. It's just how difficult the customer makes it. Mm. Right. And it's not, I mean, yeah, like, of course, if you agree to the first thing the salesperson says, <laughs> then obviously, you know, it's going to be a quicker process. I feel like people feel like, okay, like. But if you have a price quote, just walk yeah. in there with it. You know, hey, this, this store appears an hour away. They send me this quote. Mm -hmm. But guess what? I want to buy it here. We'll give us the price quote. We'll match it or beat it or whatever it is. I probably feel like you're trying to kind of get the best deal for the company and for yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, Whereas, but the company like, doesn't give a shit about us. Right? Yeah. So you're trying to essentially help them as a person. Yeah, because why would I – here's the thing. Here's the one thing people don't understand. Right here. Hold up. One thing. When Phil leaves, one thing that people need to understand. Right. Let's go. Hit them with the last thing. One thing people need to understand is if the – no one's – like everyone's time is valuable, but to a salesperson, time is the most valuable thing. So a salesperson will never waste their time – and not do the deal that you want because they don't get paid, sure. right? We have a fixed commission regardless to how much money we lose. I get paid 200, 300, whatever it is, wherever you go, your salesperson is going to make money regardless. So nice. I feel it, bro. Thanks for being on the episode. Yeah. Much thanks.